0: Father, what a reminder that you have walked with us, you are walking with us, and you've walked before us. We thank you, Father, that we can sing these songs to remind us that that you are a good, good God. You are the God who gives, and we will have 10,000 reasons and then some to praise you. You are the God who is faithful. You are the God who is wise. You are the God who is near us. May we just be reminded of that, Lord, and we want to thank you for your faithfulness. As we open up and as we discuss, Father, I ask that you would lead and you would imprint into our hearts your will, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 So I have worked at this is my fourth church that I've worked at, and in 2009-2010 I was working at uh, Bryanston Methodist Church, and it was my first sort of church. I'd been there for about four or five years, and um, around about 2009-2010 I started getting the question of what should I be doing? Should I be continuing? I've done certain things, and and I'd, I'd sort of reached the capacity or I've reached the ceiling of what I what I could do. And so I started looking at, you know, do I change jobs? Do I not? Um and and in that time my wife also uh was infected with a little parasite. Um then she grew up to be my daughter, Adasa. But um <laughs> so funny story, I sent an email to the church staff uh when we found out so we waited 12 weeks. Uh, they say you must wait for 12 weeks because there's a, a chance of miscarriage early on. We waited 12 weeks. I sent the email, and I said, please pray for my wife and I. She's got a parasite on her. And then right at the bottom, I said, P.S., uh, my wife's pregnant. And one of the ministers was like, oh, Andrew, we will get a prayer meeting going, we'll just... And I'm like, uh, that joke backfired. <laughs> so we were in this time of incredible change. Incredible, like, just... People and we went on this course. Uh, I invited my brother with. I think I invited my father. Um, and there was a chap who came and, and spoke at the church about change. And um, and he he made this interesting uh, point or, or this interesting example. Used this interesting example. He said that that lottery winners, the overwhelming majority uh, of lottery winners, instead of using that lottery win to get themselves in a better financial position. They go ballistic. They buy everything that they think that they need. They think that's going to make them happy. And they end up in a poorer place than before. And he was just mentioning this in the context of change. Change is a very scary concept. But the reality is, in itself... Change is neutral. Change is neutral. Change happens. Change is inevitable. What makes change so scary for us is a lack of control. We can't control things. And also a lack of not knowing. What's going to happen? What are we going to do about tomorrow or the next week or the week after or five months from now? And this leaves us with some degree of anxiety. Now, the key to change is to ensure that it is a a positive experience. And for us to do that, we have to realize what we can do right. So we have to step back and think, what can we do in this time? Whatever period and process of life you're in, you have ability. You can do certain things. It might be five things, it might be ten things, it might be two things, but you can do certain things. And so when you are in this time, you've got to realize what you can do, what you can control. And then you've got to do it. Now, we have to ask, why is this so important? That would be more dramatic if the slide worked. Is it working? There we go. Why is this important? So this is kind of like a bit of a conversation about us as a church. And if you are a newcomer here, a bit of backstory. Our senior pastor resigned recently. And Sunday, last week Sunday, was his last sermon with us. Now, we need to have a bit of a conversation about this. And you see Northcliffe Union Church has gone through significant change just recently. We have to understand not we have to we do understand and appreciate the huge impact Gavin has had for close on 20 years with us. He has preached strong, he has led strong, he has impacted so many people, walked with them in times of sorrow, loss and celebration. Alongside the departure of Gavin, which as significant a loss as that is, we've also had to say farewell to Gail Gebod and Chantal and Lorenzo Sakia. These changes, both from a relational and staffing perspective, have been profound for us. It has brought about a lot of change. Change can lead to anxiety. And we understand this. Change can lead to uncertainty. It's been a process for me of adjusting and not coming into the church. And, and as I would walk in during COVID times and afterwards, and I would walk in, I'd walk in the, the one door over there. And I, I would walk in and i ambled in. And I'm a very quiet, petite person, if you don't know me well. And... I would walk down the corridor, and I'd see Gail's office open. And the first thing I would shout, and yes, i shout, would be like, Gail! And she would laugh and shake her head and go, oh boy, here's Andrew. That was my routine. I'd walk in, I'd see Gail, Gail! She's not here now. That's something I have to process. I would have long conversations with Lorenzo about everything, about golf. And I would sit and say, dude, I play hack and slash, man. I don't play golf. We'd talk about, or he would talk about his cars. He'd show me his little model cars. I'd chat to Chantel. I'd have breakfasts weekly with Gavin. I'm still going to continue that while he's in the country. We all have memories and experiences and journeys that we've walked on with these four beloved people. So yes, we are in a process of change, a time of change, and it's not just Gavin. Although Gavin is probably the one that most of us have had the relationship with. If we zoom out and look at the past few years, we have to consider some of the following factors. COVID. Whether we like it or not, we have to acknowledge it. COVID has impacted society and it has impacted church. COVID has changed things, some in good ways and some in bad. My evening service, and when I say mine, it's not mine, I know, but it's mine because I, I love that evening service. We, we, we had to change the way we do service and we still have incorporated those changes. We still use them. We still do Zoom alongside a live audience. So if ever you want to find out about what we do in the evening service, hit me up, say, Andrew, I want to join. I'll give you a Zoom link and you can check out what we do. This has meant that when people are sick, they still log in. They're still part of the fellowship. There have been some bad changes. Some people who were attending church for certain reasons now have found it convenient not to come to church. And this is not unique to us. This is everyone. We also have an increase in the fluidness of society where people are looking for and finding opportunities to to live and work abroad. People can go to uh, uh, Stellenbosch, Somerset West, uh, Durban, Dubai, Australia, uh, New Zealand, Japan, and they can still work for a country or they can still work for a company in South Africa. We find families leaving. And we've had to say goodbye to them. It's been difficult, man. I've had a couple of teens that I was trying to develop a cult with. And before I could indoctrinate them, they're gone. Now I have to start again. I suppose that's not the best advert for our youth ministry, is it? But you invest in people. And for good and godly reasons, they've had to move on. And this is increasingly the reality of churches that we invest in people and it's never a wasted investment as long as they are in church. They may not be in this church but if they are serving God, whether it's here, whether it be in Fontaine, whether it be in Australia, they are serving God. But we have to get used to this as a reality and it's not just in church, it's in work as well. We have the third factor, which is the downturn of economy in recent few years. And leadership is the leadership of NUC is grappling with the impact of our finances. And I can assure you on that, Alison, because I'm not a very wise guy when it comes to finances. Right? I see something and I'm like, we need to buy that, and we buy that, and and then I've got to realize I don't have the money for it. So, Alison had to explain to me in simple terms just that the, the The disproportionate increase in certain expenses like water and electricity. I mean, that alone, the impact it's had on our budget has been significant. It's been noticeable. The increase in fuel costs and how it has infected our use of a generator to ensure that we can offer a meaningful Sunday as we usually do is something that affects us financially. And we think that these are good and reasonable costs, but we have to account for them. So in view of the current life challenges that all churches are facing and grappling with, and these are not unique to North Cliff Union Church. These are across the board. I would argue that these are across every aspect of life. Businesses are struggling. Families are feeling the pinch. North Cliff Union has to now take pause take stock. Now I know there's been a question around a call committee for the position of senior pastor. What's happening now that Gavin? Gavin has gone? And I can understand why this is an important question for all of us. But we first need to understand where NUC is and understand what God wants for NUC. We have to be figuring out. We have to be wrestling with, God, what is your voice in this? And one might ask, well, why have we not mentioned anything of this? And I know that there have been people who have been anxious about this. And my answer is that Gavin has served in this church for close on 20 years. He's poured his life and heart into us. And there is a lot of emotion, not just for him, but for all of us, for a variety of reasons. There's emotion, there are opinions. And I think that the kind thing to do for Gavin was to let him leave without any noise, without any distraction. And now we begin that process of conversation. Now we talk. We deliberate, we pray, we wrestle. We seek God's face to say, God, this is your church. You are Lord of this church. We need to be in much prayer, giving time to listen to God for his leading. This time of contemplation will Also have to consider our surrounding demographics. We're in a context. We're in a community. What do we know about that community? What do we know about the people of this community? Are we being relevant? Is the role that we're playing good and reasonable? Are we being salt and light in the context of Northcliffe and the surrounding local areas? This deliberation might affect how we look at our staffing as a whole. As I've said, we've, we've, when I say lost, I don't mean in a negative way, but Gail has, we've said farewell to Gail, and we've brought in Rose as a wonderful replacement. And Rose is doing a fantastic job. As I make a joke, I've joke, made this joke in front of her, she rose to the occasion. And pray for her. She's had to get used to my sense of humor, and I think it's been a, a process. We have to also consider how are we utilizing all that we've got, that God has given us, with the staffing that we need to make the best difference. Please, please understand that the leadership, the elders and the council, these are the foremost questions that we will be and are already engaging with. The elders have been praying about this. Our intention will be to present at the annual, gen- annual celebrations under the AGM a process of where we think we are going. So there is a deadline, there is a mark, and I think it is important for you to know that the 17th of March, we are going to have a more informed conversation around this. We do not want to leave anybody in a state of anxiety because they do not know. So the 17th of March, we will have a more thorough presentation. But I want to assure you that the church leadership and staff are continuing to prioritize these Sunday mornings because this Sunday is, Sunday is king. Sunday is where we as a church gather and worship and sing and praise and pray and preach. And we will continue to hold this as a priority. Now, the question is, what do you do? What can you do? The first thing is pray, pray, pray. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 to 4. First of all then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. What is required from this congregation is prayer, both individually and corporately. This is what you can do. We've had two amazing Saturday mornings of prayer. They have been so meaningful. And we have one more, and I want to encourage you, folks. We are in the J.L. Green Hall. What a joy it will be if we have to say, folks, we have to go into two venues. There's too much of us. And if I look at how many people are here today, that's achievable. It has been meaningful. It has been joyful. It has been great. Not just the prayer, but also the fellowship, the talking. Just the whole period of this has been incredible. Now in our reading, Paul is writing to Timothy with a desire to instruct him on how to order the church. Timothy had been Paul's understudy, the apprentice who was to take over some of Paul's ministry. And Timothy had the task to order, to bring order to the churches in Ephesus. And the progression of the letter is this. the Introduction. The caution against false teachers. Be careful that there are false teachers that come around. An explanation of the value of the law. Then Paul's commission, and then Paul rounds off chapter 1 and says, Timothy, here's your commission, and I want you to look at the example of those who have fallen from their faith. And then he jumps into our reading. And what is interesting to note is that the first congregational task that Timothy is to devote himself was not preaching. It was not leadership. It was not fellowship. It was not care. As important as those things are. The first thing that Timothy was to tackle was to be praying for all people. Mobilize the church to pray for all people. The great activity of the church is to be praying, to be interceding before God and man. Prayer is the meeting between God and man where all of our preaching, all of our leadership, and our fellowship and care. Finds its beauty and power. Church history attests. That the power of God. In all of these activities of the church. manifests when the church. Is in persistent prayer. Go and read of the revivals. It is stuff that makes your hair stand on end. And you want to say. I want to be a part of that. Bring revival Lord. But before you bring revival, bring me to my knees in prayer. Alongside the command to organize prayer, Paul commands or reminds Timothy of the purpose of God that all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And notice the link that Paul is making here for Timothy, the organizer of the church in Ephesus. Pray for all people because God wants all people to be saved. Pray for all people so that all people may be saved. And again, the link here is not about preaching, although that can be made in Romans 10. It is not about leadership, the subject that Paul tackles next. Nor is it about fellowship, Acts 2, 42 to 47. Or even care, which happens in 1 Timothy 5 is realized. The link is pray for all people so that all people may So are you praying? Are you praying? Are you praying for this church? Are you praying for your church? Are you praying for the leadership of this church? Are you praying for the leadership of this country? It is easy to cast stones at the leadership of this country, isn't it? I know I do it. Every time there is load shedding. Are you praying for people who do not know Jesus? Do you have a hit list of five to ten people? And it's, start off with one. Lord, I'm not going to mention a name. I'll mention Andrew. Lord, just this Andrew chap needs Jesus. He's a lost reprobate. As one of the ministers in the Anglican Church would say to me, he's an uncircumcised Philistine. And those are his words that I'm quoting, not mine. Do you have a list of people that you're praying for, That you have a burden for? In that regard, do you have anxiety for them? Because if you're going to be anxious, be anxious about the lost. As an encouragement, please consider joining our home groups. And this is going to be an area where I would encourage you to pray for because we've got, we've got home groups and we need to strengthen this ministry. But there are home groups that are functioning right now. And many of them, I've, I've, I've encouraged them to look at a season of prayer. So we are going to next week be preaching on prayer, and the home groups are going to be looking at a series on prayer. They're going to be doing different things. Fill in a green slip if you're interested. And, and let's say that for whatever reason we can or we can't find a home group for you, and you go, well, Andrew, I'm, uh, either I'm not able to join this group or that time, and we can't do it. Well, then you know what you do? You find a prayer partner. And if anything, I would advocate this slightly more importantly than a, a home group. Find a person and pray with them weekly. Do it for a couple of weeks. Just pray, and it doesn't make a difference if, if you like them or don't like them. Pray with them. My closest friend came out of this. I, I reached out to a guy. Didn't even we knew each other. We used to work. I left the work, um, and I said to him, "Dude, I need to be praying. I, I, you know, you might be the guy. Let's do this." And a couple of years later, we are we are a firm, firm, firm friend. Pray with people. And finally, join our last session of congregational prayer. Whatever you need to do. Drug your kids. It's all good. God will forgive you. That's a joke. Like, let's be very, very, very clear about that. That is a joke. Maybe. I don't know. Depending on how bad it is. But, join us. 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. We have eight to 8.15, we have some time of fellowship, we have some time for Rusks. Uh, it is great fellowship time. And then from 8.15 to 9, it's like a conveyor belt of prayer, folks. You have to kind of elbow barge your way in there to pray. People are like, man, we're ready. We just, we lined up. And folks, it is beautiful to hear the hearts of people. Pray, 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 pray. And then finally, 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 finally in the prayer point, there are men's prayer groups that meet monthly and there are women's prayer groups that meet monthly. You'll see CPR. It is a time where men gather to pray. What a beautiful thing. And then there's a monthly women's time of prayer. I don't know if there's a name. Can anybody tell me if there's a name for this? Okay. Okay. Ladies' prayer group. We'll call it Power Hour because, I mean, that's really where the power is. We do know men are sitting, uh, eating rust and, and drinking coffee, but it's the ladies who pray. Folks, join this. Young and old. Join it. Pray. Finally, what else can we do? We can serve. 1 Corinthians 12, 14-20. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I've thought about this long and hard, and I think I'm the appendix of the body. Probably not my best joke. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, a church which he founded. And one of the challenges faced by the church, if you look at the early parts of Corinthians, was that there were divisions in the church, And in the later part, there were also questions around worship. So divisions and worship. An analogy used here is one of a body with different parts that need to work harmoniously. Here's the key thought. Unity comes through service. Unity comes through service. Unity of the body is when every part of the body is serving And that's how we remain united. It is when people put their shoulder to the harness and work for the well-being of the body that unity and health is maintained. I was reading Nehemiah recently. And for the task of building the wall, Nehemiah had a very simple process. He said to each and every single person, he says, basically fix the wall that's in front of you. Where your house is, fix the wall that's in front of you. And if you fix this wall, and the neighbor next to you fixes that wall, and the neighbor next to them fixes that wall, the whole wall was going to get built, and it was built. Fix the wall that's in front of you. It's in your proximity, it's in your gaze, it's in your eyesight, fix that. And there's something important there for you and me, particularly now. You play a part in the health and growth of this church. You play a wonderful role, and God wants you to play this role. There are areas where you can play a role, and you should play a role. And some of you are doing this, and I want to commend you. I mean, this music team, Sunday after Sunday, I cannot tell you, I used to lead worship. I wasn't great at it, but I used to lead worship. And it is one of the most demanding time-wise ministries that you will find. So folks who are serving, I want to commend you. And I want to encourage you to keep your shoulder in the harness. And for those of you who have not got your shoulder in the harness, look at what's in front of you. Offer your services for any areas or gaps you see and believe that you can serve them. This is not about areas of gifting only, but also just areas of serving. There are areas where gifting is of particular importance. There are people with the ability to teach children, for example. And as my wife will attest, the first time I led worship with children, she asked me, I was, I was singing in, our, in our, our music team at Sunday, and uh, we weren't married, we weren't engaged. Um, I think she had the hearts for me, but she said... Um, I'm going to pay for that comment. She said, Andrew, can you please lead music? And I thought, yeah, I'll lead music. And, and for one, grade one to grade seven, I chose songs that were meaningful, and they were profound. One of the songs, Matt Redman When the Music Fades. And can you think of a more important song to sing? I can't. And so here I'm busy singing, When the Music Fades. And, and one of the kids, right over there, he decides, no, he needs a chair. So he walks, to go to get a chair, And on wooden floors, he drags the chair while I am singing to Jesus. (sighs) Now, I was a lot younger. A lot younger. I was so intent on worship and and, and this that I didn't handle the situation well at all. I probably scarred that child from Jesus. I, I wish I had done it better. I really do. But I stopped and I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? This is about Jesus. Can you not see the lyrics? I mean, he was 10 years old. My, 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 my then uh, stalker um, ran across the room to me. <laughs> and she said, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. And I was wrong. I was wrong. Because I, I, I'm good at certain things, but I'm not good at other things. There are people gifted with the ability to craft beautiful times of singing and praise as we see this. Man, if you had to see me play drums, I'd be stabbing my eye with, with one of the, the, the drumsticks. I'm terrible. There are areas where you are gifted. There are areas where you can contribute. But then there are also areas where availability is what's needed. Every single one of you, let me be very, very clear. Whichever church you're in, and this is not about North Union Church, every single church you are in, you are a greeter. You are a person to make people feel welcome. If you are from church and you love Jesus and you're walking into a church for the first time, you are a greeter at that church. You are there to make everyone feel welcome, even the pastor. You or a greeter. And it's not about gifting. It's about being available to serve and to say, man, I'm filled with the love of Jesus. Maybe not as much today as I should be, but I'm filled with the love of Jesus. And you are either now my brother or sister in Jesus Christ, or you're going to be so welcome. I mean, I, I just, I have an internal chuckle. Can you imagine you going to a church for the first time and you go to the, the pastor and say, welcome to this church, welcome, welcome. But that's, that's got to be our mentality. Now let's acknowledge that there are areas at the moment where our staff might be running around like frantic chickens. Pray for us, folks, pray for us. And there are areas where the congregation can pick up the slack. Somebody offered to buy Rusks for our prayer meeting yesterday. I mean, he's a real biscuit, that guy, I tell you. (laughs) But it was a small area. He offered. And he served. And the prayer team or the prayer meeting was blessed through that. It's a simple thing to do. Be gracious with all of us. Those who are serving out of their time voluntarily and those who are employed here. As we all are figuring out, not just the Gavin, but the whole staff. And as we wrestle and seek God's face to say, Lord, what do you want Northcliffe Union Church to be? Where do you want us in five to seven years? And step up and help catch any balls that we drop. This is a time of change, and this can be uncomfortable, and it can be exciting. If, if we embrace the opportunities that are available to us, it's going to stretch all of us. So my question to you is, what is your area of service? Where have you put your shoulder to the harness? How are you working to love and cherish the people of God at North Cliff Union Church? How can you help North Cliff Union Church in this time of transition? And more broadly, how are you being part of making Jesus famous in the area of North We're in a time of change. Change creates anxiety and stress, but it also allows for growth and refinement. It's never nice, it's never comfortable. But I tell you, the times that I've been in change, and I look back and I think, man, I had to learn hard lessons. And they are cemented more in my life through change than not. I'm sure I speak for all of us, but some of the most important values that I've had to grow in have come through difficult times. The leadership is committing, and is committed to tackling this, and working on our communication throughout this period. We understand, I assure you, that all of us are in this together. For many of you, and I want to acknowledge this, for many of you, North Cliff Union Church has been your church far longer than I've been here. This has been your home. This has been your place of joy, of celebration, of grieving, far longer than I've been here. We are taking this time as a leadership very, very seriously. If you have any questions in this time, please I'm chatting to myself or one of the elders. And I want to ask, please avoid chatting to uninformed people. Having conversations in home groups around this often can lead to more confusion and be counterproductive. If you want to find out, we're available. If you buy me a coffee, I'm there. The other elders, they're far more generous than I am. They might buy you a cup of coffee. That's a joke. They'll probably want you to pay as well. <laughs> if we as a church are seeking God's face, if we are seeking God's face in prayer, and we are rolling up our sleeves to be involved, 2024 will be a year of change, but it will be a year of growth and blessing. please, Be assured of that. Not because of any single person you see at any point in this church before you. But because this is God's church. He is the king of this church. He is the hope of this church. Always. But let's pray. Father, we thank you that in all things you are the God who is near, you are the God who is imminent, you are the God who is close to us. You are the God who leads us, you are the God who guides us. We know, Father, that in all things, you work all things to get together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. And we know, Lord, that we are in a wonderful time of change, of uncertainty. And those are good times to be that we may lean more into you, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would teach us to pray. Teach us as a church to be prayerful. Teach us as a church to be seeking you, listening to you reflecting on you, searching scripture, searching our hearts, making ourselves available. Father, we want to be found waiting upon you. And Lord, for so many of us, and I pray particularly for myself, there can be such impatience, such uncertainty, such anxiety, Father, we need to be reminded that you are king, that you are wise, that you are all-knowing, that you are good. We thank you for this time, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to be in change. May we be reminded that you are transcendent over all of this, but also that you are near and with us right now. We have prayed and we want to pray again. Lord, we thank you for the life and ministry of Gavin and Jos, for Gail, for Lorenzo, We thank you for how they've shared themselves with us as they have journeyed with God. In that time, Lord, we've seen warts and all. We've seen the good and the bad. We've seen those times where they have been beacons of hope, and we've seen those times where they've been grumpy and frustrated. But all throughout, Lord, they have longed to serve you and make you famous. We ask, Father, that you, would, that you would bless them as they go in their ways and as they have gone in their ways. We ask that you would continue to draw them to your bride, your fellowship, that they may celebrate and desire to, to commune deeply with your son, Jesus. And, Father, we pray for the leadership of this church that you may lead us wisdom, and contemplation, and deliberation. Where we need to communicate better, Lord, we ask that you would help us. Where we need to act decisively, Lord, we ask that you would help us. Where we need to sit and listen more, we ask that you help us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.